Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Dope Black Disabled Podcast, home of unapologetic blackness, disability advocacy, pride and representation, and conversations that go there. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag DBDisabledPod. That's hashtag DBDISABLEDPOD. Let's get talking. Welcome to the Dope Black Disabled Podcast. This is a place we talk about life, career, love, faith, spirituality, society, and pop culture joyfully and truthfully through the lens of disability. I'm Kimmy. And I'm Christine. And welcome to your new favorite podcast. Well, it's just the two of us today, so no need for a voice test, but how are you feeling today, Christinequa? Uh, I am doing great. I really am. Um, well, outside of my shin now hurting, which is a new pain, I'm adjusting to it. I am doing yeah, good, Kamisha. <laughs> Come on, body. <laughs> how are you today, Kamisha? I mean, well, hmm. well, hmm. 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 Uh, speaking of pains, hmm. There have been surprises. I came f- home from hospital. I cannot count anymore, so I don't know when. What is time? I went through some uh, medical abuse from the start. And we'll talk about that in next week's episode, I think, because that's when we're at the family meeting, because Uncle Debbie Webby will be in the house. So I've just been dealing with that, and every day... Like, yeah, even like in the beginning, the first week I had auditory hallucinations of the ward. And like, I thought like, you know, some nurse was going to come and shout at me. Mm, That's not good. (laughs) You know, and I had a lot going on. And uh, I've also seen that, you know, I caught myself self-medicating and I was like, oh, pattern. No, Mm, no. So I've been dealing with a lot of like pain in that aspect because being dehumanized and being mistreated, it just hollows out your soul. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but such is the experience for many chronically ill people that have to deal with the medical system 24-7. And that's why it's very, very important it's this conversation extremely pertinent that we're having today about medical gaslighting Mm -hmm. because it's a part it's a huge part of my life and I think at the beginning of you know your journey at 23 you had some gaslighting because of your age as well oh yeah no I had gaslighting from the age of two yeah up to 23 no medical gaslighting is a part of the culture but like when you're so accustomed to it you're not even aware it's medical gaslighting. You're just 
this is just normal treatment. So by becoming aware and getting involved in advocacy, that's when you become aware, become aware of like, wait a minute, this isn't right. You should heed my warning and I and my my opinion, my vo- my my voice and my needs. What I share should be taken seriously. You know, people with Ella Dunlow syndrome call themselves zebras hmm. because you often hear hooves, and you turn around expecting to see a horse. And yet there's a zebra behind you, mm. right? Yeah. And that's, you know, the rarity and, you know, what, what, the, what the condition is. So when I heard that analogy and I heard people in the community calling themselves zebras and zebra this, zebra that, I was like, oh, okay, that's where that comes from. Okay. And then I was watching... I'm a glutton for punishment. I follow a lot of doctors on TikTok and watch uh, YouTube shots um, of doctors and stuff. And this doctor was like, well, when you qualify, you're taught to, because you're trained on all these extreme rare conditions, you're trained to look for the horse instead of the zebra. Mm -hmm. So when someone comes to you, look for the obvious instead of the extreme that made so much sense that put things into perspective for me i was like oh so some of them aren't even trying to gaslight you they're trying to be captain obvious because they've been told that you're trained for the worst yeah go for the best outcome Mm -hmm. which to me it's bad because what if it is rare oh 100% 100% a lot of the way um so me working inside of a project that's a part of a health science system really just shows me how just because you know people are taught to do one way how it doesn't it doesn't do everybody justice you know like oh well that's the recommended way is for me to do x y and z but it isn't health the medical field is not all one size fits on this isn't a damn shawl this is someone's health and yeah. so it definitely goes down to training and getting rid of implicit bias as well, because Ooh. there's definitely that involved and mm-hmm. educating that these are people and not patients. And that's something that oh. I have to, I had to adjust myself with dealing with is being hurt, you know, as a breast cancer survivor, listening to people talk about breast cancer as the cancer and not the, as the diagnosis and not the person itself. Because I was I was gonna say that doctors and nurses and medical professionals are taught to have that colorless and look at people as case and would say uh you know bed such such and such and whatever not only for convenience but also to be able to leave work at work and go home because they see such extreme issues if you're taking if you're looking at every 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 single person that you treat and you engage emotionally in the medical field, it will destroy you because some people are going to like, you know, tap out on you. Some people are not going to get better, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to give someone a diagnosis. This is understood, but this is why therapists (laughs) should be inside of these medical institutions. So after, you know, these doctors do have to share these things, there is someone for them to talk to so that they do have training so they don't take it home. And the good thing about doing that is it also humanizes the patient because at the end of the day, after you share, I can assure you, 
that the diagnosis you share with your patient or the person is going to have more lasting effects on them than it will you. So get some therapy, talk about it, but have a little bit more tact when you speak to people because now this person has to live with the diagnosis and you just have to live with the fact that you shared it with them. It's To me, at least, it's a huge difference. Yeah, I don't know who told uh, British doctors that like to hold your hand especially without a glove is like the ultimate, like, see, I'm nice. I'm, I am understanding. And they'll be like, listen, there's nothing we can do for you. And we just have to and listen, I'm like, if you don't get your crusty behind up. Oh, well, That's okay. ridiculous here in the States, they bring a team in with you because it's not embarrassing enough. You have to bring you and your residents and your students and the interns. And oh, the yeah, they do that. They do that. Yes. They do that. They do that. And and I've had to ask sometimes. I'm like, I know you have to train people, and um, especially my heart condition is quite rare. I I don't I don't want to be. Like, I I came in as an emergency into um what you call the ER, but it was Annie. <laughs> and the doctor was so excited when she saw my EKG, and she was like, "This is beautiful. This is beautiful. I need to. Can I frame this? Oh." Okay, can I use this to train my students? This is oh, that's work. Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome. This is amazing. I'm like stairs in atrial fibrillation. Like, <laughs> excuse me. It's so it's so insensitive. Like, <laughs> I am a person. Is that no, like in her defense? Like, she was a bit, you know, eccentric. But okay, we'll, we'll give homegirl a little bit of a pass. <laughs> Centric pass because and she was used to me because listen I was a regular like I had nicknames for the ACS of the nurse I'm like hola Pedrito mi amor like <laughs> I would talk to everyone in their language because like everyone is quicker and nicer to you when you speak to them you know you've had to survive in the medical system you learn. Oh, where'd you come from? Oh, wow, that's a beautiful name. Where, 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 where is that from? Oh, great. Oh, okay. So how do you say thank you in your language? What language is that? And then when they come, you're like, blah, blah, blah. they're like, you remember? I'm like, yes, girl. Yes, I remembered. And they'll be quick and they'll be your friend and like, listen. Mm-hmm. Look, diversity <laughs> in the medical field here in the States is very far few in between. I currently am in the process of building an all-black female medical team, and that right there is an anomaly. Otherwise, it's all white people. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are other people, but majority of all my doctors have been white. So it's like, oh, where are you from? Oh, Boston? Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I want the results, hey? (laughs) Right. What language do you guys speak there? I'm like, okay. Oh, oh, shouting at people at sports matches. I can speak that too. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we are out of pocket. See, this is what happens when Dibola is not in the building. We miss you, Uncle Debs. We really miss you because, like, where is the adult supervision? Like, it's been a couple of weeks where we need we, we need an adult in the house. He reels us in. He reels us <laughs> in. Otherwise, it just turns into a Kimmy Christine conversation. <laughs> but to the point where we haven't done our affirmation. Okay, operation affirmation. Yes, hit me. Okay. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. It's a one-liner. Mm. 
I do not need permission to love myself. Yes, I do not need permission to love myself. I don't. I don't. And women are taught this. Disabled people are taught Mm this. Especially once we start to look for approval from other people. A lot of uh, young queer folk are taught this. Your community tells you if you're cool or not, you're this and that. Young people, the culture tells you if you're cool or not. I don't need permission to love myself. Nah, I don't. It's my natural birthright. Yeah, this is a ubiquitous problem to where people believe they need to have expressed permission to be self-enthralled. But listen, I love me and she is awesome and she's everything. I love Kimmy too. I think she's awesome and she's everything. Don't don't get me started on that Christine girl because okay, you already know how much. If you don't know how much I love me, just go check out my Instagram. You realize how much I love me. <laughs> yes. yes. So the next um, part of the podcast is us talking about why we're talking to you like this. Why are we talking to them like this, Christine? What had happened, Christine? You see, what had happened was, no. <laughs> so I had a little bit of a technical difficulty. See, I was trying to be all tech savvy and use my phone, which was not the best way to do it, which unfortunately half or all of my footage recording, all of my audio got distorted to the point where we can't use it and so this episode is way too powerful way the message in it is just way too strong to just scrap it and so we're going to continue with it without the sound of my voice which everything is always bigger than me so I have no worries no frets Um, I am to have been a part of the conversation even in just the observant um, space was a blessing and I look forward to possibly you know recapping the conversation having a a follow-up in the future your attitude is amazing because this is a lot bigger than all of us you know this is bigger than just this is movement is bigger than all of us and we sat down with one of the most amazing humans, Jamisha Prescott, who is behind You Look Okay to Me, a media company that covers chronic illness and life with chronic illness, but being productive and being young and being, you know, just like excellence, you know. So they uh, stopped by and Jam is part of our Dope Black Disabled community and part of our group. And we've just been enjoying having the people from our community on the podcast to talk because we have some amazing people in Dope Black Disabled. Yes. And the conversations are very enriching. And I hope that you see that this conversation was very enriching and, you know... If I just say so myself, um, just, just might be one of those history book kind of people. Mm, Mark my yeah. words. Yes. Yes. No, Mark my words. Miss Thang is going to be written in history. Absolutely. I stay in that. This medical gaslighting issue is so prevalent that even after we record this in June, yes, June. Yes. Put that in. 
so some of the references might not make sense because you know june we recorded this in june but because of the sound issue we were trying to sort out a re-recording that fell through and we tried to see what we can do and the best way forward was just to do it this way but even though we did this in june i have had medical gaslighting since so this is a prevalent issue that we deal with in the disabled and chronically ill community i hope you you know from our our experiences from our stories you can see yourself reflected if not you can learn something from a perspective that is different to your own so enjoy the conversation and if you hear a third laughter it's not a ghost it's (laughs) (laughs) yes it's christine the friendly ghost (laughs) hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So, welcome, Jamisha. Today on the podcast, we have Jamisha Prescott, who is the founder of You Look Okay to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Again, this is Kimmy. Okay, so we're so privileged to have Jamisha in our midst. Uh, she's part of our community, and uh, she's been owning 2021, and we're going to get into it. But uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome welcome thank you so much for having me excited to be here yes so i know that you interchange she and they them pronouns which do you prefer i don't have a preference at all so you know i chop and change whenever i feel like it (laughs) so it's all good to me come on put my thing down flip it and reverse it okay (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) because honestly for me gender is a such a fluid construct that um she and they and whatnot are very much are are, are interchangeable and sometimes i find myself not specifying gender when i'm talking about someone because i don't know how they um self-identify so i'm like yeah this person and they were like this and and Miss Thang would have been like, I am she, out from the gay, she, 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 she. But it's safe <laughs> to go on the yeah. gay part because we need to respect how people self-identify. Bob, who works in construction, who lives in Leeds and drinks a copper with a bacon sarni in the calf every morning, would not want to be called she, right? So every single human being has preferred pronouns. Get over yourself. Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's a word. That's a word. 
<laughs> I am here all week and I'm taking time. So, Jamisha, <laughs> tell, tell us about your production company, uh, You Look Okay to Me, and your Instagram platform. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not a, an official production company yet. That's what I'm trying to, I guess, formalize it as at some point. But essentially, I run, I guess I, at, at the moment, I call it like an online space called You Look Okay to Me. I always forget the year because it is a bit hazy now, but I started it at uni. In my first year at uni, that's when I got diagnosed. Like I literally got diagnosed with lupus one week after I started my first year at uni at film school. So dealing with that in the first year was quite difficult. And then I realised the limitations I had doing a film course, which is quite a physical degree. So I started Julificating Me as a concept where I could make visual content, videos, films or whatever it was but also combine it with trying to explore the concept of chronic illness and what that meant. I didn't even know what the term chronic illness was until that year. So I was kind of trying to combine any of the skills I was using at uni with that. And then just as time went by, it it kind of continued to develop into an Instagram and then an online space. And then it just started to grow a bit to my surprise. And so now, I guess, at the moment, it's a place where I can use sort of creativity to explore the social sides of having an illness or, or a disability because I think there's lots of content where people are like oh you know these are my symptoms and this is how I feel but the social sides I think for me are what's most fascinating so um mm. when you're you know like how your identities intercept with your disability mm. or how your culture your language um you know I, I had done a piece for work a few years ago and I had learned that women not just women, people that go through menopause in a certain countries, there is no word for the term menopause. That, exper- that experience of that culture is going to be completely different to maybe someone in the UK. That's the kind of ideas that fascinate me. So I'm trying to just make stuff that looks into that type of stuff. And eventually at some point, I hope to actually formalise it as a production company where you know, you're making documentaries or films or podcasts or whatever it is, just exploring the themes I've mentioned. And... I don't know, it's helped me have a sense of purpose. It's helped me also connect with people, like just have conversations with people. And yeah, it's, and well, look, I mean, it's connected me with you lot. And that's what's, I think, the best part about it. I've met so many amazing people. Yes, mostly virtually, but nonetheless, it's, yeah, that's the best part I enjoy, just meeting people. I feel like you're doing some amazing work. I saw your um you linked up with a creator with lupus and you guys did some ID style, like some vice <laughs> ID style angles with some cool kid music <laughs> in the background. I was like I will never be invited to this party. This is for the cool kids. No, of course you're invited. Of course you're invited. I don't even have the wardrobe for that party. Like I just saw it. It was so slick. I was like, ah, I am not worthy. Ah, look at No, you are worthy. (laughs) I mean, that's that I did that hella last minute because I think sometimes I just get random ideas. And I think the reason why I was able to do it last minute is because Rashida, the other person with Lupus, that's a creative, lives around the corner from me. We both live in Croydon and then the photographer did too. So I literally last minute was like, hey, do you guys want to meet up on the weekend and go on a rooftop and take pictures? Yeah, cool. Because I just don't think like disability and chronic illness always has to be like drab looking content. I want us to look sick. I want us to look the same as ID and Vice. We are dope and we're sexy and we're good looking and we're, no, like I want it to look like that. So it was kind of an experiment and I want to do it again soon, uh, larger. I do one day want to do like a larger shoot. So that's when I'll be ringing off your phone, ring, ring on the phone and you'll be coming down and we're going to be doing a dope shoot as well. It's just, yes. it's just, it's just me getting my brain together to do 
that is a different story, but it will be done. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just think we're cool and we should be represented as such. Yeah, that is an aspect that I appreciate that like we have an artsy side to us. We are cultured, we are traveled, we're well-read, we're well-rounded people. And this disability Pride Month, I'm actually, um, I've got something in the wood woodworks where we're focusing on disabled sexuality during uh, Disability Pride Month because we Look need freaks. Yes. We get it down. We get it down. <laughs> yes. 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 Speak your truth. Speak your truth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, People be I, acting like we're not out here effing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like buzzing it down and, and, and spreading it wide and laying it low. Okay. We're out here doing things. Like, <laughs> my, my um episode with I I recorded with uh the Broken Pussy a podcast oh, and it was so much fun and we talked about how people who are not disabled they treat you they almost impose asexuality on disabled people yeah. when it's actually yeah. desexualization because asexuality is an identity and it's yes. a spectrum yeah. of an identity but yeah. it's desexualization because you literally just smoothed out and Ken and Barbie out my private parts. We forgot to do our auntie warning and our affirmation station. We'll do it at the end, but our auntie warning. So Jamisha is in this house. We say fuck and shit goes okay. down, you know, so aunties be warned. You know, your delicate sensibilities may be wrong, but I'll give a foot. <laughs> so we're just trying to be as expressive and there is this celebratory aspect to our lives that is not explored because people impose this pity and this oh and like oh do you wish you're not disabled i bet you wish like you were like normal i hate the word normal every time anyone is always like imposing anything on me i'm like if you can walk around with your face, right, scot-free willy-nilly, I have every right to walk free in my anointing that is my disability. Oh, my. <laughs> so tell us about your background. You said you went to film school and stuff. What were your dreams and whatever before your diagnosis and how did your diagnosis uh, shape? the rest of like what your life looks like now yeah I mean I before before my film school I went to the Brit school which was a really lovely experience I did well they don't call it this anymore but like it's called broadcast and digital communications which is just a really fancy way of saying it's a really fancy way of saying media um and I, I wanted to be a cinematographer I loved shooting I loved uh like the cameras, I love camera tech. Like, I just was really into that. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do, be a cinematographer. I also did, like, documentary as well, but, like, more so I wanted to do be a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's a very physical role. You have to, you know, 
you have to, especially, it's not even that, if you're if you're an actual cinematographer, you can be a disabled cinematographer. You can actually be in charge of the visual look of a film. However, at the moment in the film industry, I don't think many things are set up for a cinematographer to have a disability because when you're moving up the ranks, when you're having to be uh, low down and you're trying to work your way up, you have to be a camera assistant. And camera assistants... Mm have to carry the cameras they have to bring it everywhere they've got a they've got to set things up they've got to change the lenses and they've got to be on set for a very long period of time especially if it's for like a narrative film if it's for like a film that's make-believe that's a script yeah. you know you're on set for probably like 16 hours a day standing wow yeah that's how much you know and to be honest i've, I've said this time and time again for non-disabled people that's too much even for non-disabled people yeah. i think that's not that's not okay. But for someone who just got diagnosed with lupus, I was tired as hell. I could barely walk down the road without like being out of breath. It just is not, it was not happening. And I didn't really know how to then get in because I was just like, well, if I can't do that, I can't be a cinematographer. But, you know, simultaneously, I started to get more interested in documentary in general because after getting ill and then like talking to people, the idea of the human story, the real human story and how diverse they can be, I started to gravitate towards documentary anyway. So it kind of went hand in hand with you look okay to me, but yeah. I started to move towards that side of things. Um, so that's the new dream is I love, basically documentary is my passion and that sounds like graphic design is my passion. No, yeah. uh, documentary is my passion, but like in any form that you can tell it. So documentary can be film. It can also be photography, but it also can be audio like podcasting. So any way that I can document the human story, that's kind of what I try to do. You speak in thesis. Sorry, <laughs> I do. I do no, go on. No, sorry. no, 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 no. As in, not as in in length, but in depth and and, and in quality of words. I try. <laughs> so try. no, no, no. This is a forum for you to enrich us with your ideas and tell us your story. So, honey, if you want to do a soliloquy, uh, Shakespeare style, <laughs> go on ahead. But use the quality of your words. I love. And I always Thank I always you. get that because when I start talking about things I'm very passionate about, I'm very much like, oh my gosh, the idiosyncratic ramifications of this, da, 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 you know, <laughs> so, I get it. So um, what's your relationship with medical gaslighting since now joining this uh, chronic illness gang? So medical gaslighting in a really simple term or simple way to explain it is when you are experiencing something so some kind of symptoms your body's not feeling quite right whether it's a rash pain or whatever and you go to your doctor to try and understand what the issue is but rather than them actually you know I mean sometimes they do testing but rather than them actually trying to figure it out they're dismissive they either say you're totally fine there's nothing wrong um they say oh it's just this very small thing that's going on don't worry about it or they go a scan this the scans are clear there's nothing wrong even though you know there's something wrong, they just tell you there isn't based on whatever yeah, they're doing. Yeah. So, uh, and and the funny thing is, sometimes they even straight up lie. You know, there's sometimes where they're just not willing to continue the testing. And then there are some occasions where they straight up lie. Yes. For example, if you're trying to get diagnosed with endometriosis and your doctor does a, what do you not call it? A ultrasound and then says there's no endometriosis, which is what happened to me because we didn't see anything on your ultrasound. They're straight up lying because they know full well that to diagnose endometriosis, you need to do a laparoscopy. And even then they miss it sometimes. So there are some occasions where they fully well know that you cannot diagnose something in a certain way, but they just dismiss you because of whatever. Or they might say, 
your experience in mental health um, thing is depression. They might just popcorn it off on like a mental health thing. So that those are the ex- examples of medical gaslighting. And unfortunately, what ends up happening for a lot of people is that seven, eight, nine, ten years down the line, they get diagnosed with something all along that they knew what it was. Which to experience that is one of the most infuriating things because you knew the whole time you were right. And just like with gaslighting, you start to doubt your insanity. You start to doubt, actually, can I trust myself? Can I yes, trust my own yes, body? Yes, yes, yes. Well, mm-hmm. I have an ongoing relationship with medical gaslighting. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the worst things to go through, I think, as okay. we all probably have experienced at some point. I've, I've had medical gaslighting at every turn. And I think the annoying part about it is that I thought that it would be my only experience. And that once I was kind of through that first experience of it, that I wouldn't have to go through it again. And unfortunately, at every single turn of trying to figure out what's going on with my body, and I'm still going through a medical gaslighting situation now. So, yeah, when I was first trying to get diagnosed with lupus, um, I was I probably have been sick since high school. I think I think I started being unwell when I was 16 in, in high school. But, you know, the, the, you're not sure yourself. So the doctors are like, oh, vitamin D deficiency plausible I'm black like um, <laughs> we, need the sun. I mean, we need the sun and I really also I was a bit nerdy and I didn't go outside a lot so it was understandable as to why I was deficient then anemia growing pains all of these experiences and then afterwards it's like nah this is getting worse it's whatever to then go through the experience of all the testing and blah 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 you know you go through all the diagnostics and then you have someone telling you you have lupus and you're like cool this explains everything and then to go back and the same person then says nah it's depression actually it's not lupus. You don't have lupus. Okay. I think you're depressed. You need to see a psychiatrist and a psychotherapist and what's it? And take antidepressants. And here's the thing, you know, two twos now, I'm 25. I, I have been diagnosed with clinical depression, mm. but it, that's not Same necessarily piece. the thing that's causing the lupus. Like the lupus is actually, you know, separate to the, the depression. So that experience, it takes a lot away from you because you don't then trust yourself. You're not sure if you can actually trust what you're feeling is true and valid. Depression is still valid. But the way that I think doctors talk about depression makes it so flippant. Because even if it was depression, it should be taken with the same severity as uh, if it were to be lupus as well. But that actually wasn't the thing that was causing my symptoms. They just wanted to get me out of there. Um, Luckily, I obviously was able to get the official diagnosis, but it does a lot to you. And so much so that each year when I have my lupus checkup, I feel like they're going to tell me, oh, it's not lupus after all. Every year. And I've had lupus since 2014. But I feel like they're just going to be like, it's not lupus. They conflate, Every year. and <laughs> They conflate like this psychosomatic uh, nature yeah. of chronic illness to just it being depression when two things yeah. can be true at the same time. Yes. You can exactly. have physical symptoms that can have an effect on your, on your uh, mental health, but yeah. also... Your physical symptoms are not exclusively because of your mental health and uh, are not always, let me say, because we can't say absolutes. For some people, yeah. like sometimes yeah. mental health is so powerfully uh, uh, impactful that that they do like um, the whole psychosomatic um, thing is real and it does happen yeah. in that way. However, when you have yeah. chronic illness, depression is like almost unavoidable yeah yeah almost because 100%. you're dealing with your body letting you down you're dealing with your body you're dealing with always having a living life 
with the backdrop of pain mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. dealing with knowing how to function with pain and, and discomfort and having to bypass that which is not human yeah. because pain is your body's way of telling you stop i need i'm in trouble and whatever but with chronic illness yeah you have to get on with life and you have to get things done. So if you don't kind of bypass certain cues, you will be there forever and ever. Amen. It's beyond medical professionals conflating. And it gets worse when you are like bigger, when you, when you, when you are a fluffy queen, when you're anything, Oh my God, let you have a toothache. You need to lose weight. Let you have a headache. Yeah. You need to lose weight. Yep. Let you have this. The fat phobia is ridiculous. Oh denying goodness. denying fat people mm-hmm. their right to have their their medical concerns addressed to me is disgusting. Because yes. it's like stop pretending like you care. Yeah. Because if you did, you'd actually want to help me rather than be dismissive. Be you just you're just fat phobic. They want like to, and it's a problem because it's systemic. They want to eradicate fatness, but they don't want to deal with the issue. Yes. And they want to eradicate fatness because it's an eyesore to their standards, to them. So anyway, round about, I literally was having this conversation with my mom today because we were talking about like, you know, how or or family GP, anything that like, well, I just blew up the joint chair, whatever. (laughs) He deserves it. how anything you can literally say my ear aches you need to lose weight my toe is hurting you need to lose weight but it's like can you look in my ear can you look at the toe at least rather than just saying that do you know what i mean the way that your 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 uh, weight is is affecting your ear and this is why and you can even, you know, you know how when you have medical knowledge, you can say, well, see, your ears hurting because you're overweight. And then that's making you uh, secrete this hormone that's causing idiopathic intracranial hypertension, which goes hand in hand with trigeminal neuralgia. So then your ear ache is trigeminal neuralgia triggered by idiopathic intracranial hypertension. So you're fat. And it's just the blatant fat phobia. And for me, it's always like, these people are always fat. Like, these doctors are always fat. And I'm like, I can see your belly button through your shirt, sir. I can can see where you were connected to your mama before you were born. Mind your business. And you want to call me out? How about I... Let's be honest, because now we're being honest to each other, okay? Buy Buy a shirt one size up. It will change your life. That's what that is. Okay, maybe I'm too savage. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm too savage. <laughs> maybe I'm too savage. And I ooh. <laughs> and I <laughs> This is why we have high uh, maternal mortality rates um, among black yep. women. This is why we're, yep. under, we're under-medicated when it comes to pain. That's why the opioid yep. uh, epidemic really hit the white community and black people the white community. didn't, you know, get as affected because we and our pain, we are perceived to either lie. And this is what doctors are taught in training that either we can yeah, they are more pain or if we, we tell you about our pain, we exaggerate, we're dramatic about our pain. And this brings back, and this is the leg is it's for me. It's all about like, 
ancestral legacy and uh, the legacy of modern medicine it, it lies within the father of modern med uh, gynecology uh, j marion sims who was operating Slave on sla enslaved people enslaved women on um basically they, they they were people who were slaves we should um, um no anesthetic yeah literally awake no anesthetic nothing you can imagine the distress you can imagine just the and the lack of humanity and all all of this um uh, knowledge and all of this stuff all of these discoveries they are based on the stuff that he did on black women's bodies without consent without anesthetics without any of um the uh, modern protocol so that legacy has carried on because our pain is not believed where they're like oh black women are strong black women are this black women know that very very very, very. and that's i i believe also it plays hand in hand with the strong black woman trope yeah i mean it's ridiculous i mean one of the one of the next videos i'm going to do is going to be on the same subject i was doing i was reading some research papers about it and um, they did an experiment on medical students and doctors um, and lay people to see if they had incorrect notions about pain and race and ethnicity and about 50% of the medical professionals had beliefs that black people had thicker skin yes. that black people had higher pain tolerances and what that meant is that they said that all doctors because they also had doc uh, like doctors of color in the study but they said that when a doctor of color had an incorrect idea about a different ethnicity it didn't impact the quality of care they gave to the patient whereas with the white doctors that had incorrect notions about black people it ended up impacting the quality of care of the wow. black patients so even when a doctor of color might have an incorrect idea about something they still basically treated their patients the same whereas when the white doctors who had those um false narratives about black pain they wouldn't under-prescribe the painkillers. And then there was another study that basically looked into childhood um, appendicitis. And essentially, children get under-prescribed opioids anyway, because appendicitis means that you need an opioid. It's how painful it is. But children get under-prescribed because doctors are a bit worried about giving children really high painkillers. However, black children were overwhelmingly under-prescribed the opioids than white children. All children were under-prescribed. But the rate in which black children had to wait in the waiting rooms and had to be prescribed the painkillers was ridiculous in comparison to the white kids. So we're talking about babies here. We're talking about like wow. children, even black children, because it's not just like that is where I was like, this is deep, yes. even a child. Babe, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to say that it's still happening as we speak. It's yeah. not as if it's a past thing. This this happened last no. year, whatever. This happened in the 90s. No, this is happening right now. And I believe that, like, um, you know, when when I started doing this advocacy work, I started this on double or triple jeopardy theory of deciding what, like, uh, help. Basically, um, what help we need, but also how whatever intersection of identity we find ourselves gives us different disenfranchisement like so yeah. if you're a woman yeah. if you're queer if you're black if you're disabled transgender non-conforming all of those things every single one of those things are a strike against how you'll be treated yeah. as a human 
how yeah. you will be treated in the workplace, in in the medical system, yeah. in yeah. general, in the legal. My lord, I must say, in the legal system, <laughs> the legal system is a mad thing. So I believe that, especially now, we're rounding out Pride Month. It's very mm-hmm. important to tell the story of queer disabled people. And, and 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 tell how they are facing especially if they, let's say let's take the 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 archetype of a woman who's black who is disabled and she's queer and she's gendered out for conforming all of those things are a strike of discrimination yeah. against them and they will feel it in this world yeah. one way or another yeah and let that be have, in the medical system but go on i have to shout out triple cripples um i don't know if you connect with them online they talk about this mm. stuff they're friends of yeah. mine they talk about like they call themselves triple cripples because of the cross-section of the discrimination they face they are black disabled women so two of them uh jay and kim and they're they're excellent they have a ted talk wow. they're fantastic i just have to shout them out um Definitely connect with them because they're, they're, they're amazing. But they talk about this all the time. And what's funny is that they face backlash from the disabled community, the white disabled community. If you, if you see of some of their videos that get posted, it'll be like, oh, we're, we're all, I go through that. We're all disabled, blah, 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 blah. And they're just like, we're just saying about our experiences, about how it crosses over and those intersections. Because just as you said, those strikes end up being that you're disenfranchised in different ways when they cross over. But yeah, I just have to shout them out because they talk about that stuff all the time. They're amazing. Connect with them. I, I've never definitely connect with Triple Cripples. They're wonderful and I've hilarious. Never <laughs> with them. But I really, I really believe that there's a lot of work to be done, and it's very reassuring to hear that of they're doing work and that we're over here doing work and other people are doing work because the the harvest is like oh child the church the church kid is always coming out, but the harvest is plentiful, <laughs> but the laborers are few. Is the only way I can yeah. put it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of work to be done. 100%. And what do you 100%. think, um, f- from your perspective, as someone who's steeped in hearing these stories, as someone who's steeped in dealing with medical gaslighting, what change do you think needs to happen for medical gaslighting to be eradicated? It needs to start from the source, which is schooling. It needs to start from the schooling. It's not something that can just change overnight. You need to get it at the root because these students are starting off their medical journey with, I guess, a system, a medical system that has oftentimes been developed off the back of discrimination and slavery and also off the back of leaving people out. So a friend of mine's just qualified. She's biracial uh, junior doctor. And we were talking about skin, for example. You know, we have that lovely student that's now developed that um, pamphlet, the, 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 the textbook yes. for dark skin. First of all, the fact that he's a student doing that is absolutely okay. ridiculous. I think he's great, but the fact that like it's a student yeah. and not... That's one thing. But I asked her, I'm like, yo, if you look in your medical textbooks, like, do you see dark skin? Do you see POCs? She's like, nah. Um, she studied in Wales as well. So she said, even myself, like I've studied in Wales. So it's also about when you go on your rounds and you're studying and you're practicing medicine, you're only seeing white people. 
which is a lot of the time with other students. Obviously, it can't be helped if you're in a white area. But what she's saying is it's like when you have those experiences, you start to develop prejudices against certain patients. Yes. Just it, And she says even she does it because it's like a natural thing. So for me, there has to be almost a module or cons- or consistently throughout the, the, the medical training of, of doctors that unpacks and unpicks the unconscious biases or at least makes them aware of unconscious bias and for them to nip it in the bud, even if if it starts to come up I think it needs to happen there because otherwise they're just going to continue through the medical world and not have these ideas and not be reflective on maybe where they're being prejudiced against someone they might not even realize I mean I was speaking to these Canadian people that did a study about like the skin discrimination and she even said you know having only white people in the textbooks it's not just about skin conditions it's about the overall concept of what disease looks like if you have a module about breast cancer and the students are reading it and it's only white women in there they're going to make a connection that only white women get breast cancer but not just the students, but also the patients. If you see all the little leaflets and pamphlets for breast cancer, like, you know, awareness, and it's only got white women in it, subconsciously a patient will not connect themselves with the disease either. So she's like, you have to almost, the imagery, the association, she goes, it's so important because like imagery is powerful when it comes to impacting the way that we see things and developing our our biases on things. Um, So I would say that for 100%. And then also, there was something else I was going to say, but my brain fog's making me forget. So yeah, (laughs) I can't remember. Well, it gives us a chance to round up and like basically, sis, I have one last question, but I have to frame it this way, right? We are in the presence of the DBACE, so the Deutsche Bank Award for Creative Entrepreneurs finalist. We're in the presence oh of my gosh. someone who's been shortlisted <laughs> for the Welcome Photography Prize in the mental health category. You're out here owning this shit. Where do you see yourself in You Look Okay to Me in five years? Oh, that's a really hard question. <laughs> I, I hope... I hope for it to be my job, okay. yeah. uh, like that it sustains itself, that I could do it full time and then make more stuff. And I just hope to tell more stories in whatever medium that looks like, um, tell other people's stories. Yeah, I, I, and t- tell the stories that matter about disability and chronic illness. That, that I think that's mainly what I want to do. And potentially even like do things that might hold power to account. Yes. Like, you know, I want to... I want to explore the questions like, you know, what is it like to be maybe in prison with a chronic illness? You know, that's a, that's an experience that we don't talk yes. about. Do you get your medication on time? Do you, you know what I mean? Like, what's it like? Yeah. What's it like to what's the difference between like an African-American's experience with endo as opposed to an African's experience as opposed to a British person? Like there's all of these things are different and they're like they there's so there's so much to explore that I don't think gets explored yet, especially for people of colour you know disability just seems you know quite white at the moment and I think I want to I really want to kind of break that so I hope in five years you look okay to me makes whatever it makes doing that collabing with more people and uh making more stuff that's it really yes I can see sometimes someone will be talking about like I want to do this and it sounds like great dreams great to have dreams but what's the action plan you are living it you are doing it and there's a clear path to I'm trying it. so <laughs> i'll try and 
you know, we're just privileged to be having a front seat to the excellence that you're out <laughs> in doing. And I have a series in mind that I want to work on. And I've been looking for the right person to work with. But we need to talk at a later date. Yeah, man. Let's chat. You know. <laughs> you know? So we've come to the part of the show where we say what we want to say without shame, unabashedly without guilt, because we're savages. This is the part of the show we call Say Witches Chats, where witches chats, oh, say with your trails. So this week, Jamisha, what guilty pleasure are you defending? What has happened in pop culture that you uh, has annoyed you? What do you want to shower? Who do you want to shower with love? Um, or what hot take do you have for the people to say with your chest? My say it with your chest is a hot take, which is for all the influencers, content creators, make your content accessible, subtitles, image descriptions put them on simple as that make it like at the very least subtitles as well like subtitle your content yeah yes ma'am so what i'm saying with my ample chest with a very voluptuous bosom (laughs) saying (laughs) this week with my chest i say it you are not a hero for befriending a disabled person that's it that's all that's it that's all it's been a joy, a joy, a joy to sit down with you and... It's been a pleasure talking to you as well. Wonderful, honestly. And thank you so much for what you do for Dope Black Disabled. Seriously, like, I really appreciate thank it. You. And I, like, we as a whole appreciate what you do. You ran, you walked so we could run. You set, you know, you set the <laughs> stage for us. You tilled the ground for us. And I don't think we would have been received as well had you not done the work you did prior to us launching. So thank you. And you're the first person we followed. Wow. You're the f- first person we followed. Yeah. Was I? Who was I? I didn't know that. The, outside of like our, our organization people, like of our CEOs and the, like our friends, you're the first person in the community that were like, oh my gosh, follow, we need her. And I DM'd you and here we are. There's space for us all. And as, and I just, you know, it's all about building community of like support for each other. And that's what, and that's what you guys always give to me. And I hope just to give it back as much as I can. Like, we're so. so We've come to the part of the podcast where we have to part ways and we hate to see you go, but we're sending you off with a blessing, good health, protection, prosperity, and may your God bless you. We love you. Thank you for hanging out with us. I hope you like us as much as we like you. Join us for bi-weekly episodes where we'll continue these conversations. In the meantime, connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dope Black Disabled and follow us on Twitter at DB Disabled. See you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 